Welcome to episode 28 of the Dudes Spake It Dudes podcast. This is not a podcast evaluating the latest generation of Pokemon critters, nor is it a podcast about annihilating all gay progress. This is a podcast about dudes who are spaking dudes and dudes who are being spanked by other dudes. And once again, this episode is being hosted by three dudes. Hi, I'm Jaden. And hi, my name's Kevin. And I am Scott, also known as Red Spake Scott or Hotbot Scott. Uh, so welcome, Kevin, to the podcast for the first time. Of course, Jaded is a regular on here, um, and you'll probably be on next episode, too, and that's fine. Uh, Kevin, tell us a little bit about yourself and your relationship to the speaking community. So I've been um, actively exploring spanking for the past four or so years. I'm primarily a spanky, and I make a lot of spanking-related internet content on Twitter and uh, spanking tube. And that is how kind of how you met Jaden, uh, correct? And you and Jaden have done videos together. And uh, that is kind of partly what this episode is going to be focusing on. Uh, and uh, you attended uh, Mid-Atlantic Leather, is that correct? That's where the two of you met, correct? I did, yes. So we met at MAL in 2019. And at that mal uh, that you attended, uh, Jaden was actually on the podcast. That was episode 21, uh, folks, who uh, might want to look up the podcast. Right after that podcast episode is when uh, Jaden and you hooked up to do a spanking scene. Isn't that right? Yes, it is. Yeah, and, and so we'll be talking about that a little bit later. Uh, but first, we, we have a couple of reasons to talk about mal today, both in the real world, uh, real life spanking and the fantasy life spanking for, for creating your home videos. But first of all, uh, Jaden, let's let's give everyone an update on what's going on with Hot Seat Retreat, which is our big event that's coming up in, oh my God, in a little bit more than a month, very, very soon, out in Palm Springs. What's this, what's going on with that? Yeah, so as you mentioned, the Hot Seat Retreat is just over a month away. Um, we do have 85 people registered um, from all over the place. We, we actually have somebody coming from Barcelona, <laughs> yeah. and another person from London, and then, of course, people from all over the U.S. and Canada as well. The other news that we have is that we were able to um, to get our Overflow Hotel to honor um, some rates that they had sort of given us uh, at the very beginning, and then they kind of reneged on it, I think, when they realized uh, that was in, you know, in season. And, and so anyways, we, we, had, we had a little bit of a, a conflict with them over, over the rates, but they have honored our rates, which are really amazing for this time of year in Palm Springs. So the, the overflow hotel rates are between $75 and $135 per night. I just looked up on the internet now. Um, those rooms are going for $189 to $219 per night. So um, we do have, um, at this point, I think 11 rooms left at those uh, rock bottom prices. Um, so please, if you're at all interested uh, or thinking about coming, to Hot Sea Retreat, check out our website, um, get yourself registered, and then we can provide you with a room code so you can access uh, those really great uh, hotel rates. Um, the only other thing I was going to mention is that uh, on our website, once you do join and sort of commit to attending, you can join our online forums. And it's, it's kind of a, a new idea for an event like this where we're trying to get participants to interact with each other before they actually arrive. And so we have a forum on the website and there's a quite a bit of activity on in the last few days, uh, people discussing 
getting together for different role play scenes. There's uh, there's talk about favorite implements and positions. And there's even the logistics things like people trying to get rides from L.A. and coordinate some carpooling, things like that. So so definitely uh, go to our website, register. Um, don't wait because we don't have, you know, as I said, we don't have that many rooms left at the uh, discounted rates. Um, first come, first served. And uh, we also do have, um, if you're interested in RV or tenting options, uh, the CCDC Resort, which is where the event's held, uh, they do have uh, room for that. And they even actually have two RVs that you can rent from them. So if anyone's interested in, in sort of an alternative way of staying at the uh, resort, um, th- those are all available at this time. Excellent. Yeah, and uh, I'm working on some of the logistics stuff. Um, I've got I've got special armbands that are in the mail right now on their on their way here to bring with us uh, for hot seat retreat. Uh, if you have any questions, the forum yeah the forum is great because one of the things that we are struggling with or, or, or dealing with is since this is the first time we're doing something like this is trying to figure out what people want you know we've both you know we've attended you know you guys have attended mal we've both attended badass weekend uh jg you've attended uh uh camp red tails and so we have these experiences and so we're kind of like looking at these things and we're still kind of looking for what our identity is going to be and part of that is reacting to what people want so so definitely being part of our forums um is a great way of of interacting with each other in advance and we can figure out what works uh, we are going to have a game night, and um, I'll put something. We'll put something up on the forums once we've got that nailed down for people who want to participate. Um, so we're going to have some spanking games uh, and, and other things going on. Uh, we're working on, you know, the the receptions and the food and all of that stuff. So it's a it's a huge learning experience for us, uh, but it's uh, it's going very well, and I am so very happy that you know at all the work that everyone is doing and the community support for it. And uh, community support and being part of a speaking community, that leads us to the subject of our Real Dudes Spaking Real Dudes segment. So uh, Kevin and Jaden were both at MAL uh, this year, right? How was that? It was a really good time. I, I always enjoy myself whenever I can attend MAL. Yeah, I, it, was my, it was my second year uh, at MAL. Um, it's a bit of a trek because I live on the kind of diagonal opposite side of the country. But, uh, I, yeah, I really I, I've found that the spanking activity or, or sort of the people that are within our community or, or want to be, you know, become more active in the community. They're starting to support that event more and more. So it's, it's worth the, worth my while to go all the way out there. Um, there are several different parties um, devoted to spanking play and, and meeting people in the scene. <clears throat> and and of course, there's thousands of people there for the broader sort of kink um, uh, communities that uh, converge uh, in in Washington for the event. Excellent, yeah. And uh, so something that happened this past uh, weekend that that uh, hasn't really happened before with Mal is uh, uh, mainstream coverage, one of which uh, or, or sort of mainstream coverage uh, and that treated it uh, badly. Let's start with that. So there is a a piece, an opinion piece in the Washington Examiner, which is a DC website and newspaper. Um, For those who are not familiar, uh, it is a a, a conservative newspaper. It's a conservative publication. 
Um, I'd be reluctant to describe it as Republican, though. It is sort of conservative slash libertarian. And I say that because I know, um, and this, this is going to be relevant here, real world Scott as part of my professional work. Um, I know some of the people who write and contribute it, including this per the person who writes the piece that we'll be talking about today. Uh, and so they're not all, you know, they're conservative, but that doesn't mean they're Trump supporters. Some of them are very unhappy with Trump, uh, but they are nevertheless conservative people. Uh, one of them is a, a young uh, gay conservative named Brad Palumbo. And uh, last weekend, he penned a, uh, an opinion piece that's titled DC's Degenerate Leather Weekend Annihilates Gay Progress. And uh, it's a bit of a, a throwback kind of uh, analysis of these weekends. I was a bit kind of surprised and shocked to see it. Um, and so let me just read for those of you who have not read it. I'm just going to read a couple of paragraphs. Uh, you know, so he talks about he is openly gay. And he's openly Republican. And he has a boyfriend. And, you know, he he opens it by talking about how he's going to live his very normal, conventional mainstream life with his boyfriend. Uh, and with that, he you know transitions to talking about the leather community and the fetish community. And here's here's where it says. Meanwhile, DC, DC's degenerate gay community was busy celebrating Leather Weekend, giving us all a bad name and annihilating what progress we've made. Homosexuals were wrongly maligned for centuries as perverts and deviants. Modern left-wing gay people seem determined to keep up the public display, displays of debauchery that keep this stereotype alive. Uh, this is disgusting. But it's more than that. It's eminently harmful to gay progress and acceptance. For one, it's bizarre to see anyone so openly boast about their sexual kinks and perversions. They should certainly be free to do whatever they want, but there's absolutely no reason to turn one's odd sexual fantasies into a public convention. The bigger problem, though, is the way these people conflate their sexual deviancy with homosexuality, there is, in reality, nothing about leather, kink, or fetishes that is all related to homosexuality. I would argue that these people are no different from heterosexuals with similar perversions. So why the exhibitionism? So is, that's uh, there's more to it than this. Uh, but it's very obviously a theme here that Brad um, associates just even the wearing of leather outfits with perversion and deviancy. Um, let alone they kick itself. He doesn't explain in here in this piece what is degenerate about kinky play. Uh, what is, and, and just to be clear, you know, we just look up the, de the definition of degeneracy or a degenerate and it's the, the definition is like an immoral or corrupt person. So he is without explaining ever what is harmful about kink or fetish or leather play he describes it as deviant, which is, you know, really kind of a problem. But let's start up with some factual things, because you both are there. This is, uh, MAL is a private event, right? Yeah, so it's it's completely private. There's actually a sign out in front of the hotel, right by the, the doors, that says this hotel is closed for a private event. So stating that it's public is completely false. Yeah, so, so there's some accuracy issues. It is clearly he. So so what prompted this was that it did get written up into the Washington Blade because even though it's private, it's a huge community event, and Washington Blade is DC's gay publication. And so of course 
an event this large is something that would show up in the publication as an ongoing thing there. You know, yes, it was a private event. There were parties going on at other venues for there were several thousand. How many, how, do you have any idea how many people attended? I would say a couple thousand, but I'm not entirely sure. I'm going to guess it capped out at maybe five or six thousand people. Yeah, so, so it is a huge event, but it's not the Folsom Street Fair. And of course, the funny thing is, even the Folsom Street Fair has gone so bloody mainstream that like tourists just kind of show up to gawk at it. And actual people I know who are kinksters have kind of stopped going because it's like, it's just, it's just, it's a tourist event. Whereas MAL is just this very sort of private gathering of all of these people who share this identity, um, which is the reason I didn't want to talk about it is of course, my concern is like people might read this, you know, people who have fetishes might read this and think that, oh, here's a gay guy who says we're, we're degenerate. So I'm, am I not accepted? And I wanted to, of course, assure anyone who has a fetish that they are. So what kind of have you have you guys had these kinds of interactions? Have you have you felt this way about your fetishes? I really haven't. I mean, so I, I saw the link to this article all over Facebook and I never read it because just by looking at the headline, you can tell that it's just going to be this really extreme inflammatory read that is not representative of any like mainstream queer opinion. I would honestly say that fetishes are much more accepted by the LGBT people than this article and this viewpoint. So I, I've never really struggled with feeling like me being kinky keeps me outside of the LGBT community. And that's actually one of the things that he's complaining about. He doesn't think that the LGBT community should embrace this and that it harms um, our relationship with the community or it harms, it harms the gay it harms the relationship between the LGBT community and the heterosexual community because they're all going to see us as a bunch of perverts. Except that this, I, I don't, did you guys know, before you guys like became aware of your, your cake identities, did you, this MAL has been around for 40 years. So have either of you heard of this event before you found your identity? No, I, I only found out about it when I moved to D.C. in 2015. And at that point, I had been out for like four years. So, Right. And, and Jaden, what about you? Yeah, I think I found out about it through Badass Weekend uh, because a number of the people that organize Badass Weekend go to MAL. It's sort of their their second Badass Weekend of the year. <laughs> <laughs> I think we, we have a joke among a couple of friends that it, it's kind of like the um, upscale version of Badass Weekend <laughs> because we stay at nice hotels and we spend a lot of money compared to what we get in Augusta. So, but yeah, I, I, I would kind of, I, I guess where I see this is, um, I mean, people who are into spanking or any, any specific fetish, and if that's their, their main thing, like it is for me and probably many others, we're, we're kind of two departures from the norm, right? So there's, there's sort of mainstream society um, and then there's, you know, people who are into, um, you know, guys who are into other guys. So that's a departure from the norm because most people are heterosexual. Right. And then within that sort of gay community, 
that's now, you know, pretty, pretty widely accepted. Uh, we have gay marriage in, you know, most Western countries. And um, within that, though, there's another departure from the norm. It's like, well, there's people that don't just want the mainstream life, you know, the, the husband, the kids, the trips to Disneyland, et cetera. Um, and so we're kind of, you know, we're two departures from the norm. Now, to call that degenerate, I think is extremely unfair and ignorant um, because for somebody with, you know, without a fetish, I could, I could see how they could maybe believe that when they're young and they don't really understand, but um, you know, our sexuality is more complex. And I think that the LG, as Kevin said, you know, the LGBT community understands that there's different ways of expressing it um, than just the sort of mainstream model for what you know what is a family or what is um what is a relationship yeah and, and the so. reality is it's his you know the reason i asked if you guys were aware of it is is one of my responses was like well to the extent this causes straight people to have a negative view of lgbt people it's because of this this in the washington examiner it was it's very obvious from reading this that 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 uh brad is not familiar with the event's history and the fact that it's been around for the entirety of this modern lgbt movement and obviously has not interfered with forward progress you know for for lgbt rights it hasn't it hasn't stopped it um throughout the throughout the same time frame uh, you know people's ignorance of what the gay community certainly there was a point there's definitely a point in, in LGBT history where people thought that that um, that to be a gay man was to be an oversexed, over you know overly fetishized person, and as times come, there now everyone realizes that there are there are gay men like us and there are gay men like Brad Palumbo. And the reality is, I, th I was looking up some data, and the most recent poll I could see was from 2013, was that 75% of all Americans know personally know a gay person, um, and they they probably do not no longer assume that this is what all gay people do. And the reality then means that that if only a small part of the gay community participates in this, or a few thousand people, um, this doesn't reflect the entire gay community. Uh, there's no indication that what, what Brad is writing is true, but uh, it does represent us. And so it does kind of concern me when, when stories like this first come out. And um, so I should mention, I, I mentioned that I, I, I'm professionally acquainted with Brad. Uh, we do uh, work in similar lines of work and I don't want to get into too much detail. Um, and uh, mostly because he's being, you know, because Brad was getting, you know, he's he's getting what they call, you know, dragged on Twitter, which is the 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 phrase that people use when you uh, post something and people start attacking you for it. And so so a lot of the LGBT establishment folks and, and you know queer folks who are um, part who who are into cake and into leather are, are responding to him on Twitter, and which of course is just simply entrenching his position because he is a conservative and he doesn't see himself as part of that establishment, and so he sees this as you know I just want to be normal you know why can't you people be normal, uh so what I have done is privately, since we are professional acquaintances, reached out to him and I essentially came out to him as a kinkster. 
and just kind of talks a little bit, uh, did not put him on the spot, did try to kind of explain a few things. Uh, one of the things I did explain is uh, events like MAL are not supposed to be causing problems. They're supposed to be a solution. Um, and that is where do people who have kinks and have fetishes, how do they find each other? And that's what MAL is. And that's why on this podcast, I am so adamant about events like MAL as a way, as, as places in, for people to who share fetishes to meet. Um, and I just don't think that people who don't have a fetish, don't have a fetish, don't have a kink, don't have very particular, unusual sexual needs grasp and you know and i'm willing i'm willing to say that this is you know spanking is an unusual fetish it is it is actually you know people fantasize about it but to have an actual spanking fetish to say that i need this as part of my sexual fulfillment that is a little bit unusual but that is that is not the norm uh more than existed because a sexual interest is not of the norm doesn't make it degenerate uh, and so the definition of degeneracy would, you know, if you're doing something that's not consensual to someone, if you're doing something to someone who cannot consent, uh, who is underage, you know, there are actual dangerous and degenerate sexual activities that cause harm to others. Nothing at MAL falls in that category. Yeah, I mean, the event is is there for, as you said, it's for people to connect. Um, I mean, a lot of these people are from all over the world um, and they come together because they share you know, very, very rare <laughs> qualities, right? Um, and in our fetish, like, it, it, I agree with you, Scott, it's extremely uh, rare. There are, there are not that many people in the world um, that have this as a, as a fetish or as a primary fetish anyway. So, um, yeah, so events are really important. And <clears throat> they also um, allow for, you know, for new people coming in, it, there's, a, there's a sense of safety in, in numbers in that, you know, you're, if you're with someone, it's not, it's not going the way you want or, you want it to stop, you know, that, that you're going to be among other people in the community that uphold those standards of behavior. Um, that might be a little bit harder if you're in a, you know, private, uh, if you're in somebody's home with them and, and things aren't going well, it's, it's maybe a little bit harder to do something. Right. Yeah. And um, I think events are also, they're kind of a, like a cure for loneliness in a way. Like I'm spoiled in the sense that I, live in DC and have access to a lot of gay people, a lot of kinky people. It's very easy for me to meet and play with people like me, but that's not true for, you know, a gigantic percentage of the kinky gay population. And I think these events provide people who are maybe living in a rural community where they can't find anyone to play with, um, it provides them with a space to go to and meet like-minded people and have a lot of fun. And I think um, for those reasons, these events are crucial. They're not degenerate. They're not immoral. They're really important for so many people um, in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Yeah. Having it, we've talked about that on the podcast, having a fetish can 
make you feel very lonely. And I also, and I've talked several, several times about how being in Los Angeles makes me feel very spoiled because again, we have, you know, we have, you know, DC has this baking party every month. LA has this baking party every month. And there are dozens of guys who attend. So I'm constantly being able to meet and connect with guys who are into spanking. Um, and not everyone can do that. Um, and so if you have a fetish, you don't always fit. You're not always able to pursue a conventional relationship the way that Brad does. And of course, Brad, the funny, one of the funny things is, is Brad has also uh, written, um, you know, complaining about how difficult it is to be a gay conservative and to try to, you know, date and have a relationship because of the political orientation of a lot of a lot of lgbt folks and to me i find it amusing that he then goes on the attack against the cake and fetish scene because it is you know it is not politically unified um i know several several gay male kinksters who are much further to the right than you know the 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 typical the the, the leaders and the speakers of the LGBT community who, you know, who don't like the human rights campaign. One of my friends voted in the spanking seat voted for Trump, believe it or not. You know, uh, one of my friends uh, was a big supporter of John McCain when he ran for president. So so it is a politically diverse community. And so the other thing that he is doing is, you know, he doesn't even and, and he doesn't even realize is that he is attacking um, people who are all across the political spectrum, including his own readers. You know, so so it's kind of important to, to point that out. Um, and so what do we want? You know, what do we want people, you know, if, if we could talk to Brad and I, I should mention, by the way, also to the podcast that I offered to write a response for the Washington Examiner um, using my using my full name. You know, uh, I, I have not gotten a response to that yet. I might not. It was an opinion piece, and, and, and he's entitled to his opinion. Um, I did tell Brad that, you know, he could trust that I would not use that space to personally attack him for holding these positions. Um, so, but I, I, I suspect I won't be asked to write anything. Um, but what do we want, you know, people in the community to take away when we see these kinds of responses from within the LGBT community? Well, I... <clears throat> I think it's important to realize that it seems like Brad's fears are just completely unfounded and not coming from a place of what's actually going on in terms of like queer equality and rights and politics and whatnot. No amount of people pretending to be puppies and wearing latex and getting spanked is going to bring back don't ask, don't tell. It's not going to get rid of marriage equality. It's not going to like send us back to the seventies. It's just, it's not a realistic fear. So seeing things like that, things like Brad's article, I think they can just kind of be discounted because I don't think they're coming from a place that really realizes what's happening and what's going on in the real world. Uh, Jaden, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, I, I think that I mean we just have to be aware as as kinksters um, that you know we are 
we are not the mainstream, right? <laughs> and so for people who don't understand, and, and this is what surprised me about the article, is that most reporters I've met are extremely curious. They, they want to learn everything they possibly can about something before they write their piece. And this piece comes across as just very uneducated, you know, no sense of, you know, the history of the event or, um, you know, what, what kink means to people. And so, yeah, but I, I think it's just like it, it means that we, we do have to be aware. We have to be kind of on guard in a way that um, we don't we don't tell people about our kinks until we really know them and trust them, because it is it is something that makes us very different and subject to this kind of judgment. Um, but I think if people you know take a, a deeper look at it and understand that we're not that different than everyone else. And, you know, we are a diverse group, uh, people of all ages and all backgrounds and um you know, we just have to be interested in um, different ways of expressing our sexuality. So for me, I, I, I view it, you know, I often tell people I, I view being into spanking as, as kind of a sexual orientation. Um, it's more important to me than than being a gay man. <laughs> the spanking comes first. <laughs> so um, that's pretty unusual. Um, you know, even within the gay community, I think people would have a hard time understanding how spanking is sex for me. Um a lot of people just would not understand that. So, so I don't tell very many people unless I know them well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I would just conclude, of course, for, for anyone who's out there who, who may not have been listening to, you know, the entire podcast series, cause this is, this is episode 27 and I'm still, or sorry, episode 28. And I'm still hearing from, um, hearing guys who are just finding this podcast for the first time. And that's kind of fascinating to me. So, but I would say, of course, you know, as long as your sexual behavior involves consenting adults um, and you're playing safely and no one is coming to actual harm, nothing you're doing is degenerate. Um, you may be deviating from common sexual expressions. It doesn't make you a deviant anymore than being a gay is, you know, makes you a deviant. The, the, the most fascinating thing is to me about uh, Brad's and he did, probably doesn't realize this because he's so young. He's the way that he's talking about kink is the exact same way that people used to talk about gay people. And he does kind of reference it. And, but he kind of references it in a way to suggest that, well, when it was wrong when they talked about the entirety of, of the gay community that way, but it's correct to talk about the leather kink community that way. Which, which doesn't make any sense either. It's, it's not a logical response because there's nothing about the, the nature of kink and leather play that is, in fact, incredibly, you know, nasty or, de or that's degenerate. It's just different types of sexual expressions. It's literally just if you just look at it, it's like, OK, so the way that you do sex is the way that is different from the way that Brad does sex. Um, and I, I want to get that message very much across to uh, younger folks who are coming to the community who are just establishing their identities and are worried that, oh, no, you know, I'm making the gay community look bad. You, you are not you are not making the gay community look bad. Please do not be ashamed of pursuing your, you know, pursuing your kinks, um, looking for a bench. I strongly, you know, encourage everyone to come out to these events to help connect with the community. This is where our family comes from. Um, one of the stories I did share with Brad was that, for example, um, if you can't really develop 
conventional relationships because of your fetishes, we become sort of replacement families. You know, I have uh, a friend here on the scene who had surgery um, and he really didn't have someone with him at home to help him, you know, dealing with certain recovery issues. We have another friend of the, uh, on, on the scene, um, um, Sydney, who has been on the podcast, who is a registered nurse. And so, so Sydney just kind of uh, spent a couple nights at his place just to kind of help him deal with things. And this is the kind of the family that you create uh, that comes from from connecting with each other through these events. And so um, these events are not embarrassments. They are not something to be ashamed of. They are instead ways to help you meet and develop your kink family. So with that, having established how normal and conventional we are uh, as kinksters, let's talk about porn. Uh, so let's, uh, let's, let's go to uh, the fantasy life of speaking. And so after, you know, the purpose of, of you guys first meeting uh, at Mal uh, a, year, uh, a year ago was to create, to do some amateur porn. And so, so Jaden, you have kind of gotten into filming your own stuff for uh, for Spanking Tube and for online. So, so uh, we really haven't talked about that. So let's talk. So, Jaden, how did you? What made you decide to get started uh, with doing your own amateur spanking porn? Um, yeah. So it's actually Kevin that got me started uh, with doing doing my own videos. Um, and so when we when we met for the first time for our first session. Um, I knew ahead of time because I had talked to him at the spanking party at MAL. I knew that he was into social media, Twitter, and having um, things to show and share with people about um, his kinks. And so when we set up our play session, um, I just asked him if he would be interested in doing photos and or a video. And he said that he was. And so we went ahead and we basically just filmed our session. And I, I remember I, there were a couple of things. I'd never done it before, um, but I, I sort of made this agreement with myself that the most important thing to me was having a, a really good play session um, because it was a, you know, it was a unique opportunity to meet Kevin. Um, Kevin's very popular in the scene. Um, and so I was really excited to be able to you know, have him over and, and see how we would, you know, see how we would do together and, so I, I basically I just decided I didn't want to be, you know, going and messing with the video and, and cutting. And, you know, I, I wanted to just basically turn it on as sort of a fly on the wall and then go about our normal play session. And that's what we did. And, and it made it a very, um, very realistic video because it is just two guys, you know, playing. There's no editing. It's the camera basically is just running continuously. Um and um, the video ended up being quite popular. <laughs> Initially, I wasn't sure that we were going to share it. I, I thought that Kevin might want to, you know, just have it as something that we would keep and maybe share with a few close friends. And um, But I, when I watched it after we finished recording, um, I realized this is really good. <laughs> you know, like if I say so myself. Um, so I, I was actually quite. Um, keen on the idea of, of posting it and just seeing how how people would how it would do and, and if people would like it. So that's how it, that's how it got started. And, and Kevin, how did what since since you you dragged Jaden into this? Um, tell us about tell us about why you made the decision to kind of start doing this social media spanking stuff. So I just thought it would be a fun creative outlet. Um, so I started out on Tumblr. 
before um, there was the great porn purge. Oh, God, yes. And, yeah. And I had built up a bit of a following on there just by posting very short videos and um, pictures of things that I was getting up to in my sex life. And it was um, attracting some attention. I enjoyed doing it. And um, I just continued. And then I met Jaden, and we just talked about um, creating a video based on, like, what we were into. And it just wound up um, turning into a very, very big thing, a much longer and um, more watched project than I had ever been involved with previously which was really interesting to see just how um, how big the response was to something that was so different from what I had been posting before because prior to that video everything that I was posting in terms of videos um, were quite short and there wasn't really a whole lot of talking um, in the same way that there's a lot of lecturing in the first video that Jaden and I Jaden and I made. Um, so it, it was very cool just seeing the whole thing come together so naturally and receive such a large positive response. Yeah, it, it wasn't just a first of all. So for the in the event, although you guys have had quite a lot of views for it, so so I suspect a lot of our audience has probably seen it. But in the event they haven't. Uh, what's the name of the video? I believe Bad Boy Spanked to Tears. It's on my Spanking Tube page, which I can provide the name for. Um, on Spanking Tube, I'm just the whipping boy, no spaces, no periods, um, just the whipping boy, all one word. And it's the video on that page that has the most views by far. <laughs> Yeah, another way I, I was looking at the other day, because um, it, as Kevin said, it's, it just has done extremely well. Um, but if you sort by top favorites, it's uh, in fifth position for the male Spanx male on Spanky Two. Uh, so what did you guys? So, so yeah, this is a full-on scene. It is. Uh, it is not just a a, a few swats or because some of these some of these videos range just like a minute or two to to five you know to five minutes this is a a full like 30 minute video um what prompted you guys to kind of do one that that was that long i mean i don't think we ever really discussed making a long video i think what happened is just Jaden set up the camera and we kept rolling until we were done so that just resulted in the video being really really long it's kind of what make made it unique i think in the as far as typical spanking tube videos are you know under under five minutes a lot of them under 10 minutes so it, it, as you said it was it was almost a 30 minute video and you know that that's getting to the length that people normally pay for videos like that um and then the other difference was just that you know it, it wasn't a 30 minute spanking <laughs> There was a whole story behind it. And so I think that what it was, what it ended up doing was it appealed to the people that like 
the story and the fantasy of spanking along with actually seeing the spanking itself and the reactions. And so it's kind of a hybrid of like nailspank.net and um, spanking, you know, video porn. <laughs> um, and I think that it was just the right combination. And also just that we had, um, we, it, it was also very raw in that, you know, it was, it was amateur, amateur produced, you know, we weren't, we weren't doing this as a, you know, porn video. This was just two guys meeting up for the first time. And, um, and we just had a very natural chemistry that neither of us knew was going to work like that. So, it, um, it had that extra charge to it because we were both new to each other and, uh, we just kind of went down the road together and the video, um, captured that. So I think that's what made it really unique. So what sort of lessons have you learned from this? And, you know, what do you think if people, cause, cause it's becoming, it's becoming a thing and we've seen the growth, we've seen a tremendous growth in the amateur spanking porn. So what lessons do you guys have to, to, to provide about from, from having done videos? So I would say um, go into the video having a general idea. So maybe have in mind that you want to do a schoolboy caning scene. And once you have that idea, kind of stop there. Don't really script out everything. Don't, you know, write down lines of dialogue that you're going to try to remember. I think that when you do something like that, it um, it makes it difficult to really just flow into the scene because you're kind of forcing yourself to get stuck in your own head in an attempt to remember all the stuff that you wrote down. So I think um, just try to make it as raw and natural as you can, because ultimately I think that's the funnest way to make these videos. I think that's a lot more enjoyable than memorizing a script and really trying to make like a incredibly polished product. Jaden, any, any thoughts about what uh, people should think about when, if they're thinking about doing these? Sure. Um, so yeah, just some technical stuff. Uh, most cell phones or smartphones nowadays have very good quality video. So you don't need professional equipment to make these. Um, it's probably in your pocket already. The other thing is you do have to determine how you're going to frame the video. So um, you need to look at the space that you have, and if you're, you know, if you're going to have different positions, corner time, um, over the lap, spanking. So you need to make sure that's all going to be captured in the frame, because you don't, as as we said, you know, you, you don't want to be go stopping your your play session and going and fiddling with a camera. Um, so frame it up, uh, and uh, and then the the other piece of that as well, like for all of my videos, is that we we do not include our faces. Um, so it, it's framed in a way that wherever we're standing or sitting or crouching, like it's, it's, it's going to cut off our, our, um, you know, below our, our shoulders. So, so that's something else to consider if you're, if you're willing to be, you know, have your face in videos, then you're not, not going to be as worried. Um, but typically, um, people prefer to, you know, not, not do that. And, and for amateur porn, I think it's totally acceptable. Um, probably different if you were trying to, you know, produce something for only fans where people are actually paying, but all of the videos I've done are, are, are done for free for sort of enjoyment and sharing with the community. So 
but yeah, they're the technical things that really help um, just, yeah, the framing, uh, making sure that you've got enough light in the area, um, that the sound is working. I mean, there's nothing worse than a spanking video where there's no sound, <laughs> for example, uh, particularly ours because there's so much lecture in between. So, yeah, test it out on your phone and um, you can purchase a little tripod as well that will hold your phone uh, and, you you know, make it easier to make adjustments to the angles of the framing. So I, I just went on Amazon and I think it was like $40 or something for this little tripod that is, you know, quite small, It's uh, but it holds the phone up uh, and that way it's just easier to uh, to get it framed. And I um, I will second the importance of framing. I've um, filmed videos in the past where faces have been visible and blurring them out in post-production using the, you know, apps and really amateur equipment that I have available to me is an incredibly frustrating and long process, especially if those faces are moving around in the video. Um, so I would say definitely try your best to make sure that videos are cut out from the very beginning of what you're filming, because it'll save you a lot of time and headache um, later on in the process. Okay. That is, that is some good advice. And it's great to see, um, it's great to see uh, more and more and more people doing more amateur porn um, there are now also people who are kind of like trying to make a, a brand out of themselves, you know, as as a, a member of the spanking community and doing things like only fan pages. Um, there's one out there called uh, his name's Chase. Uh, he's I, I, he's on Twitter and he has like an only fans page. Have, have either of you thought about doing taking that leap to kind of like trying to monetize your, your, your spanking identity? So I've thought about it. And I think if I were to monetize my content, um, I would do like personalized commissioned videos, which I have done once before in the past. And I, I enjoyed that process. And I thought it was cool to kind of bring to life one person's very specific fantasy for them. Um, and I think I would just prefer doing that over doing an OnlyFans where I need to like make sure that I'm producing a set amount of content every single month to appease the people that are paying for this content. To me, that just sounds really stressful and like I would have to really focus on making as much stuff as possible. And I don't want to put myself into a situation like that. So I don't think OnlyFans would ever be for me, but I am open to doing more, you know, commission videos. I think that would be more enjoyable for me personally. How about you, Jason? Yeah, my position on it is, you know, I'm relatively new to it. Um, just basically in the last year. Um, I, I really want to do it for fun. <laughs> I think once you start making it a business or, or a, you know, a, a money, money making venture, then it, it really changes it and it becomes, as Kevin said, it's like a chore. You're, you're having to feed your, <laughs> your audience. 
So no, I mean, for me, it, it's fun. I mean, some of the side benefits of it, um, you, 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 do, you do develop a bit of a brand if, if you do multiple videos and they have similar themes. And where that can help you is uh, when you're trying to connect with people online. And, you know, as we talked about on the last podcast, like our particular fetish can be kind of a flaky fetish. Um, people have lots of interest, but when it comes to actually meeting, eh, they're not so sure. And <laughs> it sucks when you find that out, you know, the day you've already arranged to meet them or whatever, right? So I think that um, doing videos, it does give you more credibility and authenticity um, when you're out there online looking for people to play with. So I, I know I know for a fact that it's it's, in my case, like provided me opportunities to play with people that probably wouldn't have happened if, if I hadn't had videos out there under my, you know, my name or, or that I'm able to promote on my profile. So I think that's the really, that's the benefit. Um, but the, the, yeah, the main reason is it's fun to do it and it's fun to share um, and, uh, you know, look at the feedback and, you know, and it's not all positive feedback either. There's people that, <laughs> that don't like yeah, <laughs> certain parts of my always. videos, but yeah, but um, but it, yeah, sharing it is is really cool, and and it you know can give you some um, the ability to make more connections uh, in real life as well. So yeah, it's funny that the the feedback thing, not it's it's funny to me because of course you guys are doing this sort of a naughty boy scenario, um, you know, and I've I've mentioned several times throughout the history of the podcast that that's not that that's not my particular scene. But I don't, you know, I would not be showing up on your your video and saying, hey, I don't like, you know, this naughty boy lecturing stuff. That's not like as though you guys should be producing your spanking porn completely for me. Um, so, so, guys, if you're out there, if you're a, a consumer of spanking porn, you know, don't do that. <laughs> um, you should encourage, encourage people who are doing spanking videos that that fit scenarios that you do like so you get more of it but going around in like attacking scenes because it's not your thing is just weird and makes you look self-absorbed um and that's not how we get variety what ends up happening of course is so if people are going to complain if you do a kind of scene that doesn't match what you want then what's what's naturally going to happen is that People are only going to do the scene that get the most compliments, which hilariously enough is the scene, the kind of scene that you guys did. You got, you know, so, so there was plenty of good feedback. The the most dominant uh, fantasy in the spanking scene is the parental or teacher figure and younger guy bottom, um, you know. So so you're going to get a lot of feedback, but if people are going to get complaints when, like, if they do something that I like, which, you know, if someone did sort of a scene, sort of a, a, a sadistic top being a jerk kind of, you know, in some poor innocent bottom getting tormented and people say, Oh, I don't like, you know, you're being, you, the top is being mean. Don't do that. And I'm like, wait, don't, don't listen to them. Listen to me. I, I'm not going to get what I want. <laughs> so, so be nice. If you, you know, critique something like, you know, something about the tech where like, I can't hear what's going on. Um, uh, or I can't see, or if there are some technical issues. Well, chances are probably the people who did the video already know that. <laughs> but anyway, but if a scene is not the kind of scene that you're interested in, then um, maybe ask if 
you know, ask them, hey, would you consider doing a scene like this? And find out rather than say, ew, this isn't what I want. I'm like, well, who are you? Um, so anyway, that's my response to that. Don't be those people who, who go into these things and complain because the scene that's there isn't the scene that you want. Because who are you? They don't they don't know who you are. How would they do a scene on the basis of, of what you want? Um, and instead, give feedback that encourages different kinds of scenes that match what you'd like to see. So um, with that, I think I would like to wrap up this episode. I want to thank you guys for being here. Now, we already have booked plans for the next episode uh, with another friend of Jaden's uh, named Anthony. Tell us a little bit about what's going to go on, uh, because people might have some questions for, for Anthony to answer. Yeah. So uh, I met Anthony let's see, last summer, I think, uh, online. Uh, we met on the app and he was very interested in where the app is going and he's kind of been involved in helping with some of the uh, development over the last six months. We're talking about um, but Webs, correct, yeah. yeah. So he, um, he also, at the time, had decided that he wanted to, to take the plunge and uh, sign up for Badass Weekend, which is... We talked about it on a few different episodes, but Badass Weekend is the biggest um, male male spanking event in the U.S. right now. They had, I think, almost 200 people last year. So Anthony uh, decided that this was going to be his year to take that uh, step. Um, and so the, the topic of the episode, um, it, probably both sections of it, the real life and the fantasy, is just sort of um, what 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 are the things that hold someone back or what, what things can he, he share with us about somebody, a, a younger person, um, you know, he's, he's in his early thirties, um, but that takes that step of going to a, a large event for the first time, not really knowing very many people, if, if anyone. And then, um, you know, second of all, like, you know, there's people that have questions about, you know, uh, things, you know, how did it go or did he, you know, what did he get what he expected and, and whatnot. So that, that's kind of the, the idea uh, we're going to work with for the next episode. Okay. Yep. So we'll have a, a newcomer into the scene. We've had that, you know, we've had uh, Huck who came into the scene, who came into this baking scene late after being part of the fetish scene for a long time and what it was like to kind of make that transition into, you know, discovering uh, spaking as part of the, a part of a full fetish identity, um, you know, and, and even my, our, the co-founder of the podcast, uh, uh, Soup Goblin, um, Brian Krupp, um, was relatively inexperienced with spanking at the point, actual spanking. He certainly had been indulging in fantasies and writing for years, but actual spanking play was new to him when we first started the podcast. So, so there's a, there are a lot of interesting stories about people who are coming into the spanking scene. Um, which again is, you know, throwing it back to all the way to, to Brad's piece is, is he's, you know, not aware again, that these are, that these are things that these are identities that people develop and people recognize about themselves that, that develop independently of, of person's sexual orientation and need to kind of be looked at and explored. Um, and that's why these events are great. So uh, with that, I want to thank you guys, both of you guys for um, being on the podcast. Uh, Jaden, how do folks reach you? Yeah, my profile is just WAPS, uh, just about everywhere. So that's W-H-A-P-P-Z. Um, I'm on WAPS, uh, Spank Those Hookups, Recon, um, among probably others I'm forgetting. But yeah, feel free to reach out if you have any questions or 
um, you'd like to get in touch with me. And then, uh, Kevin, how do people reach you? So you can find me on Recon. My username is DCBoy97. Or you can find me on Twitter, um, where my username is at FetchTheWhip. Okay. And, of course, uh, I am your host, uh, Red Spank Scott, um, or Hotbot Scott, whether you want to talk to me as a top or a bottom. So uh, for the for my top side, uh, Red Spank Scott, I'm on Spankless Hookups as Red SPK Scott, uh, and a lot of other places, WAPS, Recon, Tumblr, Scruff, as Red Spank Scott. Uh, I am also in several places. Uh, the bottom side of me uh, is at uh, Hotbot Scott on Spankless Hookups, WAPS, and Recon. And uh, with that, uh, again, I'd like to thank everyone for listening. I'd like to thank you guys for being on the podcast. And I'll catch you all next time.